Coming up on Podcast 1877, a huge deal between Volkswagen investing in Chinese maker Xpeng for their future EVs. Stick around, I'll tell you more. Also on the podcast today, a new extensive Reuters report lays the boot into Tesla, which people have really run with today. But I think it's not as big a deal as they're making out. See what you think. We'll talk about the upgraded Citroen Ami, and we'll have a little tickle on the Mercedes-Benz EQV getting an upgrade. Welcome to a new Patreon producer, Michael Carnes. Hello, Michael, and welcome to anybody who's recently started listening to the podcast. This show will always be free, but if you want to help me earn a living, this is how I earn a living, by the way, uh, then you can sign up to Patreon, patreon.com slash evnewsdaily, like Michael's done to be a new producer. Thank you, sir. You are an incredible individual, uh, like everybody on Patreon. Hey, quick mention, by the way, uh, many people who listen to this podcast will also listen to a Friday podcast that I do with my friends Dominic and Tom and Kyle. Tom from Outer, uh, from from State of Charge and Kyle Connor from the Outer Spec Studios. And we've been doing that for the last three years. We do it for Inside EVs. I also work for the company who own Inside EVs. I do the Formula One podcasts and things like that. It's a sprawling company, um, which is how I ended up on it. But the other three guys don't work for that organization. And so uh, they have decided that, you know what, we don't work for them. We do this podcast. We like hanging out uh, together. We can't. We haven't really got the freedom to talk about the things that we always want to talk about because it's obviously it's for a brand and have decided uh, that actually, you know what, we will do something else and kind of do our own thing. And so, uh, which is fantastic news for, for those guys. And uh, I'm you know delighted to say that Inside EV's podcast will continue with a new group of people. It doesn't feel right for me to continue um, doing that, even though say, I work for the kind of the, the parent company as well, doing some some motorsport stuff. So the reason why we weren't on today is, you know, big companies do what big companies do. They're like, you know what, we, you don't need to do your last show because today was going to be the last show of the Friday podcast. And I've you know, seen it many times before. I've done it in the past when I ran radio stations. I've said to DJs in their last week, you know what, don't worry, it's fine. Part of it is probably you worry what they're going to say. Um, but uh, obviously, you know, we're all professionals. We weren't going to um, disparage anybody because, um, they're, you know, bigger fish to fry. But uh, so a real shame that those three guys couldn't say, you know, thank you to the, the, the listeners of that podcast. But fear not, if you do normally listen to the Friday podcast, it will return. You can stay tuned to the social channels of Out of Spec, State of Charge, uh, Dominic as well. And those guys will fill you in on what comes next. And of course, the Friday Inside EVs podcast will continue. I don't know who the new hosts are going to be um, of of that show, but it will be, I'm sure, brilliant because it's a fantastic website with some incredible people working there. I have loved the three years that I worked on that podcast. Won't hear me on it um, going forward, uh, but uh, I'm all, yeah, they want, if they want me to come on as a guest or whatever, I'm always happy to help because, you know, I wish them all the best. Now, let's talk a little bit about our headline story today. Volkswagen Group boosting their China strategy with an investment in the Chinese maker Xpeng. VW Group has formed what they call a strategic partnership with Xpeng, the leading Chinese EV manufacturer. The collaboration involves Volkswagen investing $700 million to acquire a 4.99% stake in Xpeng, which gives them a seat on the board as well. The partnership is officially termed a, and I quote, technological framework agreement. 
Hmm. Uh, which will kick off with the joint development, to begin with at least, of two mid-size electric vehicles. They will be exclusive to the Chinese market. These two mid-size EVs will be Volkswagens. They will be badged Volkswagen. They will hit the market in 2026. The move will bolster VW's EV offerings in the Chinese market, where they have underperformed, supplementing their existing lineup of ID models on the MEB platform. The new models will not replace any current models from either brand. VW has been developing the SSP platform, one of the successors to MEB. However, there's been software issues and the launch of the platform has been delayed. New head of Volkswagen, as you know, with Herbert Diess moving on. And generally, VW have some sizable issues to deal with. The new Xpeng-based models will bridge that gap, at least in China, not elsewhere. It's incredible for Xpeng. Xpeng was established just in 2014, such a new company compared to Volkswagen. Now, clearly, there is a kind of underlying what's happened here. And and I've seen plenty of press coverage today with people saying, oh, VW have gone cap in hand to Xpeng. Volkswagen have ra- you know waved the white flag and gone to the Chinese. I don't think any of that is true. This is a win-win deal for both, but it is particularly a win for Xpeng. They have a growing portfolio of premium EVs. There's the SUV called the G9. There's a saloon called the P7. They're available in China and starting to be European countries as well. The G6 was their latest SUV on their new SEPA platform. 800 volts and it charges at a peak rate of 480 kilowatts, which compared to the behemoth that is VW, wipes the floor with them. Now, obviously, they have, they've got fast charging EVs at 270 kilowatts uh, on, a, on a high voltage platform with the Porsche and Audi, or the Taycan, the e-tron GT, but nothing that good. Now, I understand that these two midsize EVs will be based on the platform that underpins the G9. They're midsize electric crossover at, at uh, Xpeng, but I don't, I don't know that 100%. These new EVs will incorporate Xpeng's software and the advanced driver assistance. Worth mentioning as well, Xpeng's market performance in China, um, they've had a good year for the, the share price, but otherwise, in terms of shipping vehicles, it has been limited. They delivered just over 120,000 vehicles last year, and they haven't exceeded 10,000 a month so far this year. This collaboration follows a similar partnership between Audi and SAIC, those that own MG, to build, again, exclusive China cars using SAIC platforms. Now, I think this is a clear indication of the rapid changes the intense competition in China's auto industry. I think this is a big win for Xpeng because it validates them. They can recognize revenue, so-called technology service revenue. A bit like Elon Musk was talking about recently, whether it was just hot air, because you know, Musky boy is all very good at doing this, saying, oh, we could sell FSD to somebody else. We're talking to an automaker. And you never know, do you? But contributions... Uh, to the bottom line for Xpeng from Volkswagen will likely increase, I think, as milestones are achieved and volumes increase. This new revenue stream is recurring. It's, you know, as per vehicle is sold. And I think will be likely be highly profitable because it'll be development work that Xpeng's done already and now gets integrated into the VW cars rather than a one-time, you know, royalty payment or a technology transfer. I think that by choosing Xpeng, Volkswagen provides important validation of their ADAS software, the Advanced Driver Assistance Systems software. That could open the door for other car manufacturers using uh, Xpeng's hardware and software suite. You never know. The deal marks a turning point in China's automotive industry. It, it, It really does. For many years, it has been shifting away from 
stealing, copying, often badly, but cheaply, moving to learning from foreign automakers. Anyone who wanted to do business in China had to do a joint venture. Tesla was the first to allow be allowed to own their own factory, although you know, it was done with Chinese funding. So, you know, China is the way that China is. I'm sure that any minute they could say to Elon Musk, oh, that factory's ours, by the way. It, it wouldn't happen, but China is China. And so they, all the foreign automakers had to do JVs there, um, which was brave because clearly I, I don't have the intellect required to be a, you know, an automotive CEO, but I think there are many considerations to doing business in China. The rewards are great. But my natural inclination would be to tread carefully. Uh, I'll, I'll leave it there. These Chinese companies really have moved away from, you know, copying, mimicking, to learning, to innovating with their own technology. And this partnership will aid Xpeng's push into Europe as well. Because, you know, look at brilliant cars like Volvos and Polestars. And it's given the Geely name, which also invests in companies like Mercedes, of course, long established. But it gives that Chinese name, that Geely name. This will give the Xpeng name just more of an aura of authenticity with Western buyers by getting in bed with VW. It's a win-win for both. It's embarrassing for Volkswagen not to be able to do it all themselves. I think it's honourable that VW go, you know, we can't do this in China without some help. And that might be why senior management changes happened. And and who knows what happens in the boardrooms and behind the scenes. But I think this is a, it's a, good, it's a good move for both. I wouldn't pay too much attention to those kind of scary headlines that, oh, VW's in crisis. Absolutely not. This is a very smart deal for both companies. But it is, I think, a better win for Xpeng. But also quite a cheap, you know, for VW, $700 million to, to, to get a leg up in China could, could change their reputation and, uh, in China. It could well pay off much larger than that current uh, investment that they are making. All right, that was, I'm aware, the first 10 minutes of the podcast with just a single story, but it really is a huge story. So I hope you don't mind me devoting more time than usual than I would normally to a story. But as always, links in the show notes for you to read more. We'll take a quick break. When we come back, we will talk Tesla's Giga Berlin, hitting a little roadblock, nothing they can't fix, and the Citroën Ami getting an upgrade. What's the ideal price for an EV? Well, the head of Stellantis has an idea. Uh, Those stories and more coming up. Stick around. By the way, if you just heard some adverts you'd like to strip them out, you can get yourself an ad-free feed of this podcast. You can sign up to Patreon and for $5, $10 a month, maybe it's a couple of posh coffees. Um, and uh, these days, it's almost one very posh coffee. $10 a month, executive producer level. You get your name in the show notes, you get your ad-free feed, and it and it, it helps me earn a living as well and, and do this work every day to bring you EV News Daily. And hopefully... Uh, not only look at all the articles around the world, hundreds, sometimes a thousand EV articles a day, and choose what's important, but also look at the news, decipher it, and hopefully tell you some of the big issues as well for you to make your mind up on. All right, let's have a cheeky nibble at Lucid now. Lucid Motors announced that its high-performance EV, the Lucid Air Sapphire, will be available soon. It boasts over 1,200 horsepower, which outperforms the Model S Plaid from Tesla. A new twin rear-drive unit with torque vectoring developed all in-house in conjunction with a single front-drive motor, 1,200 horsepower from those three motors, the most powerful electric sedan ever produced, the most powerful sedan also, I think, in the world. The Lucid Air Sapphire 
has 200 horsepower more than a most powerful Tesla out there. 0 to 60, under 2 seconds. 0 to 100, under 4 seconds. Standing mile, less than 9 seconds. Lucid saying the Air Sapphire is just the beginning and represents an entirely new performance-focused brand from within Lucid. The company said the performance EV would be offered as a limited production model which is understandable because it's going to be available in the US and Canada in the first half of uh, the year. Prices start at £250,000. And the first one just rolled off the production line. Link in the show notes if you'd like to see what it looks like. It, well, it looks like a lucid. Uh, it's just what's under the skin. It's very impressive. Okay, moving on. And a very significant article published by Reuters, full of uh, original reporting, very long read. Link in the show notes if you'd like to read more. Tesla, known for their impressive EV range estimates, is under scrutiny following a Reuters report picked up by many, many, many other publications which ran with this. Uh, and this article suggests that the published numbers for Tesla's range are inflated and you don't get that range. Now, you might have just fallen off your chair or wondered what on earth I was talking about. Because if you, like me, are into electric vehicles, even even superficially, you'll know that the number that's given for range is always an estimate. And there are so many factors that change it, and we'll get on to that. Tesla particularly. They do the, a certain EPA cycle that is very favourable to them. It's why content creators and experts like my friend Tom Malogny from the State of Charge YouTube channel and, uh, and Kyle as well from Outer Spec, they do their 70 mile an hour range tests. It's a standardised test. No test is perfect. They get as close as they can to it. And that's why when you run these tests on multiple EVs, you start to get uh, you know, 70 miles an hour is... It, it, it could be 80, it could be 60, but they chose 70 years ago and always do their tests at that speed. And then you can start to compare EVs. Now, there are several layers to this story. The first layer is it was it all comes from one customer, one customer's story, who complained and complained and complained, was getting his complaints closed by Tesla. And there are two parts to this. There is the outrage in this Reuters article about the fact that Teslas don't go as far as their official range, which you and I know, and that's okay. Because when you know it, you're like, oh, okay, it's just, it, it's, it's, like, it's like a point to aim for. But you might get more or less. If you drove it around at 30 miles an hour all day, you'd go further. And you wouldn't have any complaints. You wouldn't have people going, oh, yes, I bought a Tesla that would have to do 320 miles. It did 350. I'm disgusted because it went further. But if you drive it at 80 miles an hour into a headwind with elevation and it's full and it's towing, you might get half the range. You and I know that. Anyway, this article, this kind of faux outrage from the journalists who wrote it was, it's quite incendiary language they've used as well. I understand a lot of businesses are suffering. You know, a lot of media businesses need clicks. I don't I do not do clicks. I don't rely on clicks. Um, I rely on Patreon and other methods to earn a living, but I don't rely on outlandish headlines or, or having to get people to click on an article. Uh for EV News Daily to make to make money. So this article also raises a, a few points. There's that. There's also another layer to this, which is the story of a team of people who Tesla put together in Las Vegas who they claim had a target of closing 750 open service centre cases a week regarding range. Now, there are details in this story that sound pretty authentic, like when somebody would get off the phone to... 
a, a customer or, or they had closed somebody's case and avoided a car going to a service centre for further inspection, they would ring a bell or a xylophone, they'd all cheer and things like that. Well, I've worked in highly competitive sales uh, situations where that kind of thing happens all the time. Okay, admittedly, that's a positive thing. If you make a sale, you get to go to the end of the office and ring a big bell. I've worked in an office that had a gong. Everyone would get up and cheer and give a round of applause. And those kind of places exist. Yes, it's sucky that Tesla put a team together, if this is true, and it, their whole job was closing service centre appointments before they even got to the service centre. But look, I also understand it. Now, yes, there is a ways of behaving, but I also understand it. This article is furious that there's a team of people dedicated to closing down service centre appointments before they get to the service centre. Look, if you, they're going to make almost two million vehicles a year. There are going to be a bunch of people who call or, or open their app and raise a service centre thing to go like, oh, you told me it would do 300 miles and it did 200. And, and there's obviously something wrong with my car. That's going to clog up real service centre appointments you know, for bits of cars that are falling off. I would have that team too. Now, I would behave, they would have to behave in a certain way, but if I owned Tesla, I would also have that team to make sure that this isn't just somebody who doesn't know about electric vehicles. Let's help educate them. Oh, you went on a road trip up a mountain at freezing temperatures with all of your family on board. Well, no, you won't get 300 miles out of, of, of that car. And then I would close that service centre appointment because it's, there's nothing wrong with your car. It's just an education issue. So there's that layer of the article, which is... You know, they're furious at Tesla. There's the other layer of the article, which is all these people who don't think their car goes as far as it should do, which you and I know the car will go as far as it's the way it's driven. This investigation by Reuters revealed uh, the internal team uh, dedicated to cancelling appointments, which has now been disbanded and moved to a different area, not in Las Vegas. Important thing to note about this article is Reuters couldn't confirm whether the practice continues today and that it uh, they claim it started back in the model s days tesla has faced legal action in south korea because their vehicles lose you know a quarter of their range in cold weather and they had to pay a fine there it's worth noting that extreme temperatures impact the range of evs you and i know that driving style depending on how you drive will impact the range of an ev you and i know that road conditions terrain climate control even affect the range of an ev it's unfortunate that people are coming in to learn about electric vehicles, discovering this, thinking it's some conspiracy theory that everybody in EV world, you, I, everyone who drives an EV, has some, something somehow been keeping from Reuters journalists for all these years, and they've discovered it and they want to tell the world. But there we go. Um, I, I'm not dismissing it. I'm just saying it's not the big deal that everybody has made out to be today. And it's okay if you disagree with me. It's right. <laughs> we can still be friends. Um, now, Recurrent is a sponsor of this podcast. Uh, Recurrent are an organization that do battery reports. Incredible technology company. They do sponsor the show. Um, they provide vehicle range data. They found that even in the summer, something like a 2021 Model Y from Tesla, which advertises 326 miles EPA, would hit barely 250 miles. It would average closer to 200 in real-world driving. Recurrent found that the in-dash range meters of other automakers, like the Mustang Mach-E, the Bolt, the Kona are all more accurate and other car makers are incredibly realistic on their in-range um, estimates and Tesla is optimistic in its range estimates and you know, it'll, you'll get in the car and it'll say you can do 300 miles so you try and navigate to a supercharger 250 miles away and it'll say oh you've got to stop on the way Like, what does that tell you? It tells you that the big number is wrong because when you put it into the nav it'll go well you won't, won't make it so you've got to stop halfway on a supercharger it's obvious to me 
Sorry, it's really frustrated me today how many, even EV publications picked up on this and just ran with it. And I'm like, come on. Like, I'm not the biggest Elon Musk fan in the world, but they, it was like, this is, this faux outrage really annoys me um, sometimes. Do your own thinking. Learn the facts, do your own thinking, uh, and then make your own mind up. Right, a few more stories we'll get to. Uh, Tesla has their Giga Berlin, their expansion there has hit a bit of a roadblock at their Brandenburg facility, halted by the water management department of the, uh, the local office. The expansion plan include more production of battery cells and doubling the production for electric cars in Germany and the battery storage production capacity to 100 gigawatt hours per year. The water management department has rejected plans to build extra facilities there. No problem, Tesla will obviously resubmit those plans. Future wastewater treatment plan plants for further uh, plant expansion uh, will be included, I imagine. That won't be a huge issue that it's being made out to be once again. Uh, the Stellantis CEO, Carlos Tavares, said that the sweet spot for affordable EVs is €25,000. He believes that reaching the price point is critical in preserving his company's manufacturing footprint in the US. It was all part of the focus on the discussions with the United Auto Workers Union during this year's negotiations about what kind of EVs companies like Stellantis should be making. And he said that the volume of EVs they could produce depends on their ability to offer a $25,000 EV at profit, which in turn relies on the production costs achievable in the United States, both the suppliers and the staff as well, which I guess you know, obviously feeds into the discussion with the unions. Let's move on and talk about the Citroën Ami, the little car that can be driven by teenagers in places like France. A speedier version could well be on the horizon. Current Citroën Ami goes 45 kilometres an hour, new version of 80 kilometres an hour. And uh, this would be more like the Micro Lino, I think. Again, a small car, also technically a quadricycle, but just more powerful. Uh, there's light motor quadricycles in France of 6 kilowatts and 45 kilometres an hour. And there's heavy quadricycles with 15 kilowatts and 80 kilometres per hour. Citroën Ami is currently in the first category. And things like the Micro Lino are in the second category. Uh, if they do go ahead and make that, it'll be the second version of the... Ami, which is sold, I think, particularly well, given what kind of vehicle it is. Let's move on and talk about Mercedes-Benz. And the EQV gets a fresh look. That's their van. And boy, oh boy, does it get a fresh look. Outside, it's got uh, that facelift for the van series, also the eVito as well. But let's talk about the EQV. Uh, drive systems remain unchanged. Up front, there's a black panel with illuminated background. The rear sees some minor changes as well. Uh, LED lights, new chrome trim bar as well. Inside, I, I can't believe it. This EQV, which is a van, by the way, but also very nice van, uh, captain's chairs and stuff inside. Um, it, it looks like an S-Class. This is, it looks like the EQS inside. Okay, all of the Mercedes-Benz from EQA upwards have that certain look, but this looks gorgeous, beautiful seats. There's a camping version of it as well with lovely, lovely seats. Great dash, uh, very luxurious. The twin displays, 12.3-inch widescreen displays, one for the, uh, in front of behind the steering wheel and one in the middle as well. Uh, the MBUX system is the latest version of that. looks really, really cool. And the standard equipment has all been upgraded as well. Uh, Factory-fitted sliding doors and a standard. Didn't realise they weren't before, but just to, to sort of look at this. This is a van, and it looks really, really nice. Imagine, uh, you know, ferrying your kids around in this. They wouldn't know they're 
born, my goodness me. Now, let's talk a little bit about how Western automakers are gearing up to China to counter the Chinese invasion, so to speak. Not a great word, not a great word particularly to use, but uh, Western automakers are concerned about the influx of Chinese EVs. Renault, for one, says they will reduce their production costs of EVs by 40% as a defence against the price competition where the Chinese cars are sold particularly at low cost. And also Renault as a brand uh, would be uh, a brand that sells on price as well. So that clearly that is a worry. That 40% reduction is set for 2027 onwards. The Renault CEO, Luca De Meo, expects to see significantly lower production costs from the second half of this year as raw material costs decline. Now, let's talk a little bit about batteries and now QuantumScape. This is really interesting. And QuantumScape make lithium metal solid state batteries they've announced they're working closely with a launch customer now as it gets closer and closer to being on the road uh, the first time the company has revealed it's engaging with a launch partner they'd previously had six big automakers and stationary storage uh, doing sampling agreements and product testing this is the first time we hear uh, the the launch of their five amp hour cell offering an unmatched combination of energy density and power performance better than 800 watt-hours per litre, the kind of EV that would charge to 80% in 15 minutes. Uh, This great technology is heading towards the next step, the significant progress of ending up actually in a car. And uh, their technology, it's not a whole solution. They offer QuantumScape's tech platform is, is designed to pair with other cathode chemistries with the potential to really improve the energy densities of today's nickel, manganese, cobalt, NMC batteries and the LFP cells as well. So this is complementary technology. Now, let's talk a little bit about the former Nikola truck these days, the Iveco Heavy Duty BEV. Iveco, big name in trucking, has unveiled their heavy electric truck at the Truck Grand Prix at the Nürburgring. It's an interesting history. It was developed initially with a collaboration with Nikola Motor, who've had their own struggles, well documented. It was going to be the Nikola Tray here in the European market, um, but Iveco were originally contributing the chassis and the cab. Uh, Back in May, they announced they'd buy all the shares of that joint venture from Nikola, and they will effectively shut Nikola out of the business. Uh, Nikola, nothing to do with the European market anymore. And the uh, Iveco Heavy Duty BEV has a 738-kilowatt-hour battery. Juicy. 530 kilometres of range. Very, very nice. Very similar design uh, to the Nikola original, but it has been altered, by the way. I'll uh, pop a link in the show notes if you would like to see that. How do you fancy converting a old VW Beetle to electric? A Chinese conversion kit available on Alibaba can transfer, can transform a classic VW Beetle into an EV for just $2,000. 15 kilowatt electric motor, the control of the charge, the accelerator, and a little instrument cluster that adds on as well. The motor designed to bolt directly onto the rear axle of the Beetle, a method used by specialist companies uh, doing these kind of conversions. Uh, I'll pop a link in the show notes if you'd like to find out more about that. And that'll be your podcast for today. Thank you so much for listening. Oh my goodness, it's a long one and a bit ranty. I'm sorry, I don't like doing rants. Um, Hopefully it wasn't. 
Soft rent, I like to think. That's your podcast today. Thanks to our premium partners, Phil Roberts of Electric Future, Porsche of the Village of Cincinnati, Audi of Cincinnati East, Volvo Cars of Cincinnati East, National Car Charging on the US mainland and Aloha Charge in Hawaii, Derek Riley's EV Review Ireland YouTube channel, Octopus Electroverse, global public charging made simple with one app and one map, and Lease Plan Electric Moments, providing all the tools and guidance EV drivers need. Have a good one, see you tomorrow. And remember, there is no such thing as a self-charging hybrid.